The great good news of Jesus Christ has been recorded for us in the New Testament by St. Luke, among others. And today we turn to the second volume of Luke's work, The Acts of the Apostles. If you are able to stand to receive that good news today, would you do so now? In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over the course of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, Suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We typically focus on, um, on the second chapter of the book of Acts when we come to Pentecost which is next Sunday. But today is Ascension Sunday. And the story is told in the first chapter of Acts. And that first chapter merits significant amount of our attention. It is stuffed full of important events. Luke begins the second volume of his work by recalling the main events he's recorded in the first volume, which we call the Gospel of Luke. And then Jesus is pictured conversing with his disciples and being taken up into heaven. Following this, in that the rest of the chapter, which we did not read this morning, the disciples return to Jerusalem and Peter takes the lead as they begin to form the community of faith, which we know as the church. I want to focus for a few minutes on the words which Jesus spoke, which, which Luke quotes in this passage. Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I think those two things form the central theme for the entire Acts of the Apostles. You will receive power and you will be my witnesses. Think about those two things with me for a few minutes. You may remember the story I told last week about the meeting that took place in 1871 between the great medical missionary, Dr. David Livingston, 
and the explorer Henry Stanley. Stanley had been deployed to find the famous Dr. Livingston who had disappeared into the wilds of Africa. When he encountered him, you remember the famous line, Dr. Livingston, I presume? When he found Dr. Livingston, Stanley stayed with him for several months, carefully observing the man and his work. Livingston never spoke to Stanley about spiritual matters. But Livingston's loving and patient compassion for the African people was beyond Stanley's comprehension. He could not understand how this missionary could have such love and such patience for these people who were so different than he was. Livingston literally spent himself in untiring service for those whom he had no reason to love except for Christ's sake. And then Stanley wrote in his journal, When I saw the unwearied patience, the unflagging zeal, that those, and, and, and when I saw those, those unenlightened sons and daughters of Africa, I became a Christian at his side. I became a Christian at his side, though he never spoke to me one word. Livingston's loving and patient compassion for the people to whom he was sent was beyond Stanley's comprehension. This, sisters and brothers, is the power of the Holy Spirit of which Jesus spoke and of which Luke tells us in the first chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. This is the power of the Holy Spirit, the power that God's Spirit gives us when God deploys us in witnessing to the love of God. Stanley could not understand how this missionary doctor could have such love for and patience with these backward pagan people among whom he had so long ministered. When we Americans think of power, we think of the strength of our bodies, champion athletes, great football players, or we think of the power of our machines to build or to destroy. But the Holy Spirit's power is the power of compassion, the power of kindness, the power of love. The Holy Spirit's power extinguishes hostility and meanness and prejudice and hatred in the place in their place, God's Holy Spirit plants joy and hope and hospitality. This is the power we are promised by Jesus when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. Back in the days when the western part of this country was being settled by European immigrants, one of the primary means of transportation was the stagecoach. And all of us have seen old Western movies or television shows where people traveled by stagecoach. It didn't look like much fun to me. What you might not know, however, that if you rode a stagecoach, you had the option of three kinds of tickets. You could have a first-class ticket, a second-class ticket, or a third-class ticket. If you had a first-class ticket, to ride the stagecoach, that meant that you could remain seated during the entire trip no matter what happened. If the stagecoach got stuck in the mud or had trouble making it up a steep hill or if a wheel fell off or broke, you could remain in your seat because you had a first-class ticket. If you had a second-class ticket, you could also remain seated until there was a problem. Second-class ticket holders would then 
have to get off the stagecoach until the problem were solved. You could stand off by the side of the road and you could watch as other people worked to resolve the issue. You didn't have to get your hands dirty. But second-class ticket holders were not allowed to stay on board. When the stagecoach was unstuck, then you could get back on and take your seat. If you had a third-class ticket on the stagecoach, that was a different story. When there was a problem, you not only had to get off, but it was your responsibility to help solve the problem. You had to get out and push or lift to fix a broken wheel, get your feet in the mud or whatever it took because you had a third-class ticket. One of the problems that the church faces today is that too many people think they have first-class tickets. Such people sit and expect to be catered to and waited on and, of course, pampered. They expect everything to go their way, and when things don't, they get upset. They expect to show up when it's convenient for them or when they feel like it and find things just bumping along as usual. We also have a few who think they have second-class tickets. Those folks ride along until there's a problem. Then they become detached spectators. They attend church on a regular basis, but don't ask people with second-class tickets to get more than nominally involved. They won't do it. Thankfully, most all of us here at First Church are aware that we have been issued third-class tickets. Welcome and congratulations. Remember, we, 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 have, we have lots of folks here who are willing to get out and push and help even when the going gets tough, even when we have got to load and unload Lucretia's treasures and Jim's junk. <laughs> we have lots of folks here, just about all of us, who understand the nature of a third-class ticket. A pastor was talking to a man one day about joining his church. This fellow wanted to join the church. He said, I want to join this church because I want to be fed. And the pastor said, well, that's fine, but we would all be better off if you would take off your bib and put on an apron. He was being issued a third-class ticket. The disciples of Jesus all had third-class tickets. They were the ones who were charged with the responsibility of showing others the good news of Jesus Christ. And there were some things that Jesus needed them to do and needed them to know, and the consequences didn't matter. You have a third-class ticket. If your feet get muddy, if you get injured, that's okay. That's what a third-class ticket's all about. First things that Christians with third-class tickets need to know is that our responsibility is always to look outward. In some religious traditions, the emphasis is on looking inward, contemplating our circumstances and the world's structure and faith's call. But that is not the primary focus of New Testament Christianity. We are a people who are called to look outward. Jesus challenged his disciples to be my witnesses, to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He was sending them out and calling them to great adventure. They were to travel to the corners of the world, proclaiming the gospel message. 
Instead of getting caught up in what Jesus was doing for them and how Jesus was prospering them, they were to focus on what Jesus intends to do for others through them. They were to look outward beyond themselves and and they were to look forward. The disciples watched as Jesus was taken up to heaven in a cloud, the day of the ascension, which we observe today. They stood there amazed at what had taken place, and then two men in bright robes stood before them and asked the apostles, why do you stand here looking up toward heaven? This same Jesus who's been taken up from you will return in the same way. Notice what happened next, the the part of the story that we didn't read. The apostles then returned to Jerusalem with great joy. They met daily for prayer. They didn't just stand around waiting. They began to prepare themselves for what lay ahead, to form the community of faith that would do the work of carrying Jesus' message to the ends of the earth and to the end of time, looking outward and looking forward. Still, sisters and brothers, still, these 2,000 years later, we are engaged in that very same effort, still looking outward, traveling forward in the name of Jesus, still holding our working class, third class tickets. That's what happened to old Stanley and Livingston. Talk about the ends of the earth. The wilds of Africa was it. And it was there, not in stately old London, but deep in the wilderness, that the call of God was not only lived out through the power of the Holy Spirit, but the call of God was apprehended by Stanley, and it was there that he became a disciple of Jesus too. Perhaps to the edges of civilization, maybe to the edges of life, or only to the edges of Mechanicsburg, God is still calling you and me to the considerable work which God needs to accomplish in our time. And still, still, the only tickets that Jesus issues are third-class tickets to those who travel with him. Amen.